Hurrah! Here in the socialist state of California, Commissar Gavin Newsom has gifted us with rolling electrical blackouts that glorify the great progress we have made under Marxist rule. The blackouts will prevent high capitalist winds from blowing over PG&E's rotting equipment and causing even more of the glorious forest fires, which are all part of the genius of the wonderful socialist programs which have lifted our state to greatness over the past 30 years. Under our socialist rule, the state's Public Utilities Commission has forced PG&E to spend as much as $500 million a year to meet our glorious five-year plan of reducing the cost of wind and solar energy to low-income households. Thus, our socialist overlords have guided the electric company to join the heroic workers' fight against evil capitalist climate change, which, as our infallible socialist computer models have predicted, will surely destroy the world by seven years ago. Of course, spending all that money on green energy means PG&E has no money for repairing the rotten electrical equipment with which billionaires indulge themselves in useless luxuries like electric lights and cooked food. And since PG&E can't repair, repair its equipment, it often blows over and starts the beautiful forest fires, which in turn serve our glorious socialist aims by forcing capitalist running dogs to abandon their energy inefficient single family homes. Under our brilliant socialist plan, the fires also spread to our cities so that they can chase away the rats that have been gathering there due to our deep socialist charity to the poor who would have no place to sleep or even go to the bathroom if we did not let them sleep and go to the bathroom on our streets. And of course, fire is a wonderful way to purge our air of the evil capitalist bubonic plague which the rats carry. And so, comrades, under socialism, California is eliminating plague, rats, homelessness, houses, and electricity by burning the entire state to the ground. Once again, hurrah. Now, on to Texas. Trick warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray. All right, I ended last week by pointing out that here in America, our political opponents are generally not evil, and in opposing them, we are not heroes. It's a reminder not to abandon open debate and civil argument to indulge in violence and vitriol, and an explanation for why people who do that, like Antifa and campus protesters, are just cowardly, childish thugs, no matter what little heroic charade they play. It's fine to make fun of absurd ideas. It's fine to mock and name-call the powerful. Jesus Christ himself did that. But when dealing with our fellow Americans, it's always good to remember most of them are at least trying to find the right way forward. Over the weekend, as if to illustrate my point, because let's face it, all of creation is just God's way of illustrating the Andrew Clayton show, we got a very healthy example of what true heroes look like when they fight true evil. Our special forces, who, so help me, sometimes seem like an army of John Wicks from those Keanu Reeves movies. I always watch those films. I enjoy them tremendously. But I always think, how does one guy kill hundreds of people without getting a scratch on him? Uh, he must be one of our special forces. Anyway, these guys killed Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, one of Satan's glove puppets, a man who organized and inspired the rapes, tortures, and murders of thousands in the name of a disgusting version of Islam, which is an offense to the living God. And that there is still evil in the world and that we still need heroes to fight it should remind us of at least two important facts. One, it should remind us of the heroes who got us here here to this amazing present day with its unprecedented freedom and health 
and wealth. This country was built by men who faced shot and shell for the ideal of freedom, freedom from colonization, freedom from the institution of slavery, freedom from murderous enslaving philosophies like Nazism and Soviet socialism. This country was also built by women who planted homes and schools and civilizations in places where fire, flood, famine, rape, and murder were not news, but the norm. The freedom they handed down to us is precious in itself, and it's made sacred by their courage and their blood. We ought to think about them when we scream at each other over such urgent issues as whether a man in a dress who calls himself Gwendolyn is magically transformed into a woman, or when we consider abandoning free enterprise because a teenage girl from Sweden throws an emotional tantrum about the climate. Personally, I'll surrender my freedom when a teenage girl doesn't throw an emotional tantrum, since that will be a first. The second thing we should remember is this. Our freedom was not only passed to us in the blood of heroes, it's preserved by the blood of heroes. Whatever we do, when we go to church to worship freely, when we go to the opera or museum to freely appreciate the beauty the human soul can create, when we read our children a bedtime story, when we make love to one another, all of it is made possible by tough guys with guns who stand ready to kill bad guys, also with guns. Or to die trying. All of which is my way of saying, in the midst of whatever current make-believe crisis is being used to distract you from the one essential thing, don't lose track of the one essential thing, the only political issue that really matters, the gift we were left by the dead, the gift heroes are still willing to die to protect, not the climate, not your wardrobe, not some nonsense academic theory about sexuality that will pass into nothing like a summer's day, your freedom, the most precious thing you have. And the point of all political conversation, as we will discuss in just a moment, but first, let us talk about a box of awesome from Bespoke uh, Post. You know, I was just traveling, I was in Memphis, and I had my new DOP kit from Bespoke Post, which is such a relief after the one I was toting around for years. It's attractive, it holds everything. This this is this is stuff that you will get. Uh, they g- give you quality and unique products to send in each box. It's a box at boxofawesome.com. To get started, visit boxofawesome.com and answer a few short questions so the Bespoke Post knows what fits with your style. Whether you're in search of the perfect drink, a well-kept pad, jet-setting in style, which is what I was doing, Bespoke Post improves your life one box at a time. Each box goes for under 50 bucks, but has more than $70 worth of unique gear waiting inside for you. And the first of each month, you'll receive an email with your box details, and you'll have five days to change colors, sizes, or add extra goods. Or if you're not feeling that month's box, you can just skip it. So to receive 20% off your first subscription box, go to boxofawesome.com and enter code Claven at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code Claven for 20% off your first box. Bespoke post themed boxes for guys that give a damn. And of course, if you want to really be awesome, you have to know how to spell Claven. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. It's Claven is a box of awesome, but you can also have a box of awesome from Bespoke Post. All right. I, you know, listen, I, I, let me do my imitation of what the weekend seemed to me. Trump kills, has this terrorist killed. He gives orders for our guys to kill this terrorist, the worst terrorist, really the worst terrorist in the world. This guy had a caliphate the size of Ohio, gone because of Donald Trump and because of what he did. That caliphate is gone. This guy, a murdering, raping, just a killing machine, 
gone. Meanwhile, the, the, the left and the press, the Democrats and the press are whining. He didn't notify Adam Schiff. He didn't notify Nancy Pelosi. And he called Ukraine and he talked about Joe Biden. It was he's like they make him look like a giant among cartoon mouse. It's like I killed a terrorist. He didn't notify. I, I just cheesed him down into a tongue. I don't know, guys. I think it's time. we got to play the Trump happiness montage. We can't help it. Let's do it. We're going to win so much. We're going to win at every level. We're going to win economically. We're going to win with the economy. We're going to win with military. We're going to win with health care and for our veterans. We're going to win with every single facet. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. We're going to win so much. You may even get tired of winning. You'll say, please, please, it's too much winning. We can't take it anymore. I feel pretty, oh so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and gay. We have to keep winning. We have to win more. We're going to win more. I just I just want to compare Trump's announcement to the reaction from the left. It is just it's just too hilarious to to let it pass. Here's Trump making the announcement of killing this guy, uh, al-Baghdadi. This is cut number three. He died after running into a dead end tunnel, whimpering and crying and screaming all the way. The compound had been cleared by this time with people either surrendering or being shot and killed. Eleven young children were moved out of the house and are uninjured. The only ones remaining were Baghdadi in the tunnel, and he had dragged three of his young children with him. They were led to certain death. He reached the end of the tunnel as our dogs chased him down. He ignited his vest, killing himself and the three children. His body was mutilated by the blast. The tunnel had caved in on it, in addition. He just he died whimpering. I mean, the dogs chasing him into the tunnel. It's a very uh, good, very vivid description. And of course, in Islam, the dog, dog is a terrible, terrible insult. So that's Trump talking about the killing of this, uh, like I said, Satan's glove puppet. Here's the Washington Post, which really, really trumped itself. I mean, they, it was like the great self-own of journalism, journalism history. Their headline is Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, austere religious scholar at helm of Islamic State, <laughs> dies at 48. OK, and in the in the piece, it says the man who would become the founding leader of the world's most brutal terrorist group, spent his early adult years as, as an obscure academic aiming for a quiet life as a professor of Islamic law. But the U.S. invasion, <laughs> the U.S. invasion of Iraq in 2003 upended his plans and launched him on a course toward insurgency, prison, and violent jihad. It's our fault. It's our fault that this guy became an evildoer. We, he was just an obscure, he wanted to be an obscure academic with a quiet life. But the U.S. invasion of Iraq is what did it. 
Unbelievable. So this got Twitter going, right? And they had, what did they call it? WAPO death notices, which it just, it was hilarious. I mean, I just picked a couple of out, how they would, how Washington Post would report the death of other people. So they had Osama bin Laden, community organizer, poet, and soccer enthusiast with a penchant for occasional decapitations, dead at the age of 64. <laughs> Darth, Darth Vader, who brought back... <laughs> all right, all right, hold on. Darth Vader, who brought balance to the force, dies surrounded by family. John Wilkes Booth, noted theatricalist and political activist, passes away at 26. Metallurgist and architect Sauron dies in tower collapse. You know, the thing I liked about this, the thing that really got me about this, is this was funnier than anything you'll see on Stephen Colbert because they are making fun of things that are actually funny. They're much funnier. But let me give you the New York Times reaction. That's the one that really got me. The New York Times, a former newspaper. This is plastered all over the digital edition. This is the headline, right? We've just killed. We've just killed one of the worst terrorists in American history. And when I say we, what I mean are these heroic guys who go out there. I don't mean to take any credit. Even Trump. I mean, look, good for Trump for making this decision, making the call. These things can always go bad, as they did under Jimmy Carter. Completely destroyed. That was Eagle Claw, Operation Eagle Claw. They had to cut it out of Argo so we wouldn't see what an incompetent Jimmy Carter was. But that's one of the reasons he was thrown out of office in favor of Reagan, as he sent this inco- he sent this mission in at a time when it couldn't succeed and our guys got killed. And, you know, so the president is taking a chance when he puts one of these things forward. It does take steely nerves to do it. I praised Obama when he did it with Osama bin Laden. And I think Donald Trump deserves praise. And some people on the left were, in fact, praising him. But the New York Times, this is their these are their headlines. The death of Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the Islamic state leader, happened largely in spite of President Trump's actions, not because of them. Damn it. Don't, you know, we're not, we don't have to be graceful or say anything nice about, it's not, it's not like he represents our country. It's not like he's president of our entire country. We hate him. Al-Baghdadi raid was a victory built on factors Trump derides. <laughs> Leader's death will damage ISIS, but not destroy it. Don't you think he accomplished <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, this is the editorial department of the New York Times. <laughs> Leader's death will damage. Watching the raid, oh, and then this is my favorite. Watching the raid was like a movie, the president said, except there was no live audio. And all of these reports, all of these reports are from the same guys. They're from like officials and intelligence officials, the same guys who played the New York Times with the Russian collusion hoax. These are the same guys who are playing. And because they're anonymous, we don't get to know what they stand for, what they're trying to accomplish. But at this point, it's pretty clear. And these are the guys the New York Times tells us these are our heroes. This is the deep state that they're now telling us. This is their new narrative is the deep state is wonderful because it's protecting the Constitution, to which my response is, if the deep state is protecting the Constitution, why isn't the deep state mentioned in the Constitution? How come, how come the president is mentioned in there and the legislature and the courts, but uh, anonymous bureaucrats and spies, not so much. So how do, and, and if we don't want them to be leaking, if we don't want them to be doing this, what's our recourse? What's our recourse under the Constitution for stopping the deep state? from doing what it's doing. None, because it's completely anti-democratic, because the Times has become the organ of anti-democracy. It, it touts the Soviet Union. It tells us that the United States is completely founded on the idea of slavery, a total lie, a complete untruth, untrue v- version of history. They're completely anti-democratic because they hate you, the people. That's why. 
However, you know where they love you? They love you at Rock Auto. At rockauto.com, they cannot wait to help you out with auto parts. Because why would you want, you know, this is the thing. You go into the auto parts store, you sit there while the lady behind the counter looks through her computer, while you could be at home looking through your computer on rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you you could possibly need from engine control modules, which I have no idea what these are. Some, one of these days I have to look this up, but they also have brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. This is whether you have a classic car or just the car you drive around in, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks uh, delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate, and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and the prices you prefer. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts you need at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Clavin in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Also, there's another box that says, how do you spell Clavin? So you have to know before you get there because it's a quiz. No, I'm just making it up. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. So Trump didn't tell uh, Adam Schiff and he didn't tell Nancy Pelosi. And they're wondering why, you know, they're complaining about this. And Trump tells them, he says, because they leak. This is cut number 11. And have you notified the congressional leaders about this, Pelosi? uh, We've notified some. Others are being notified now as I speak. Uh, We were going to notify him last night, but we decided not to do that because Washington leaks like I've never seen before. There's nothing, there's no country in the world that leaks like we do. And Washington is a leaking machine. And I told my people we will not notify them until uh, the, our great people are out, not just in, but out. I don't want to have them greeted with uh, fire power like you wouldn't believe. That's an amazing thing to say. And when the New York Times is covered with stories from leaks, from intelligence leaks, you got to admit the guy has a point, right? How can they say we don't leak when the entire paper, the way they're attacking him, the way they're trying to undermine what he did and minimize what he did is through leaks. So obviously it's true. The other thing is they, of course, complain about the fact that he Uh, goads the terrorist that he said he died like a dog. And the New York Times says, well, how did he know he couldn't? There was no audio. So how did he know he was whimpering and crying? Let's listen to just one more cut, because I I just get such a kick out of it, uh, of Trump describing how this went down. Let's cut four. Test results gave certain immediate and totally positive identification. It was him. The thug who tried so hard to intimidate others spent his last moments in utter fear, in total panic and dread, terrified of the American forces bearing down on him. We were in the compound for approximately two hours, and after the mission was accomplished, we took highly sensitive material and information from the raid, much having to do with ISIS, origins, future plans, things that we very much want. Baghdadi's demise demonstrates America's relentless pursuit of terrorist leaders and our commitment to the enduring and total defeat of ISIS and other terrorist organizations. 
The other line the left is selling is that it was wrong of Trump to, you know, talk about how he died whimpering and all this because it incites our enemies to greater violence. And this is the opposite, of course, of our great and beloved leader, uh, Barack Obama, who wouldn't even link Islam to terrorism, who wouldn't even say Islamist terrorists uh, in the same sentence because that was that would just make them angrier. And the whole thing that Hollywood has sold us, that every time we kill a terrorist, we create two more terrorists. This is Donald Trump saying, no, we will kill you. We will come and get you and you will face the living God and you will be damned. He, he actually goes on to say that as well. In fact, play that cut. That's the, the uh, cut five. Terrorists who oppress and murder innocent people should never sleep soundly knowing that we will completely destroy them. These savage monsters will not escape their fate and they will not escape the final judgment of God. Is, the guy is like the anti-Obama. It really is. Instead of like tiptoeing around thinking if we're nice to them, if we only give the Iranians enough money, they won't uh, invent a nuclear bomb and blow Israel off the face of the earth. I mean, this entire appeasement thing, which is always, as I think it was Winston Churchill said, appeasement is when you hope they eat you last. Instead of that, he's putting in, he's poking them in the eye. And he's poking them in the eye because that's what they understand. That's what killers and bullies understand. They understand being punched back. That, and that's what he's doing. And, you know, one of the things about Trump that you sort of have to realize that that they they pick on him about this, but it's in a way one of his strengths is that he's always in a negotiation with somebody. He's always talking to somebody. He's always thinking about who he's talking to. So right there, he's not talking to us. He's talking to them. He, when he says this guy died whimpering like a dog and the dog chased him into the tunnel, he's talking to them. He's saying this this will happen to you if you come back. And the next guy is going to happen to the next guy and the next guy. And it also brings up another point, And this is another point the left is trying to sell is that this proves, this operation proves that he was wrong to pull out of Syria. And the logic here is because when we have guys on the ground, we have more intelligence uh, and that, that intelligence helps the special forces do these kinds of operations. But the thing is, he didn't pull out. He shifted troops around. He ended a situation that he found uncomfortable, which is the situation that at any moment the Turks might invade and an American soldier might get hurt. And then we would be in a battle situation with our allies, the Turks. And the idea, obviously, we know that Erdogan is not a good guy, but uh, the point that um, that we we talked about on the show was that he, he's as good a guy as you're going to get in the Middle East. No, nobody in the Middle East is a good guy. They're all strong men. They're all oppressors. They're all bad guys. And we have to operate under our principles and for the things that we want. And the really interesting thing to me, because I, I said I thought he did what he did too quickly and too abruptly, and it caused a lot of chaos. But he also stood did what he said he would do. He said, if the Turks go in there, if they commit atrocities, I will put an economic squeeze on them and I will make it stop. And that's exactly what he did. The Turks did go in. They did commit atrocities. He did put an economic squeeze on them. They stopped. And now Lindsey Graham is touted. Lindsey Graham, who, let, let's let's face it, he did not uh, stick with Trump when he pulled out of Syria. He was saying, this is just, he's just Obama 2.0. He's just doing what Obama did. ISIS will be back. Suddenly he's completely changed his tune. And I don't believe it's because Trump has like pictures of him, you know, dressed in, an <laughs> in a furry costume. I think it's because he actually, the, the one thing about Lindsey Graham is he's a hawkish guy. He has always stood up for a very robust American foreign policy, and he is now thrilled at what Trump has done in Syria. And nobody's listening. Nobody changes their minds. Nobody says, oh, yeah, it looked bad, but but maybe Trump pulled it out. 
Listen to what Lindsey Graham says. When it comes to what's happening in Syria, I like what I see. We've had a, the president's position and our, my position is really not that far off. We really don't need a bunch of Americans in the safe zone. The international community should do that. But some American forces deployed with the SDF to make sure the oil does not ever fall back in the hands of ISIS and Iran's not the biggest winner makes a lot of sense. When it comes to terrorism, the president changed the rules of engagement. You think the, the caliphate destroyed itself? He made a conscious decision when he went to Iraq to change the game when it came to destroying ISIS. He's had a determination to destroy the caliphate unlike anybody I've ever met. Now the question is how to keep it, keep it down. I think we've got a plan now to keep it down that meets his national security objectives of reducing our footprint and having others do more. Lindsey Graham has now got stars in his eyes over what Trump is doing in Syria because Trump is defending the oil, keeping the oil away from the Iranians, keeping it away from the terrorists. The Kurds are out of harm's way. The, the Turks have the safety um, zone that they wanted from Kurds who are, in fact, communist terrorists who are uh, plaguing their country and plaguing their government. I, I don't know. This looks... <laughs> <laughs> it looks to me like Trump has really done this well. And we're going to compare this to what the Democrats are doing. It is, it's actually an amazing moment. I went through this weekend just in stitches because I thought he really, he makes them look like midgets. It's like he tromps around killing terrorists and rejiggering our foreign policy. So it makes it actually makes more sense while the Democrats do what they do. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, let us talk about ExpressVPN because I, I use this every day. I use it whenever I turn on my computer because I do do not want people watching me. I don't want people knowing where I am. And I don't want them sending me ads based on what they think uh, my, you know, my uh, likes and dislikes are. I don't want them to know. I want to do what I do in private. And if you want to trust these big tech companies, go ahead. But if not, I recommend using Express VPN every time you go online. It's easy to install. It takes about a minute. Uh, and um, it, it takes about a minute and then you don't even think about it anymore. It's just there in the background. Search engines and media sites can't see your IP address. Your identity is masked and anonymized. ExpressVPN has the added benefit of encrypting 100% of your data to keep you safe from people you don't want to have your data. ExpressVPN software takes a minute, like I said, to set up. It really is easy. It's nothing you even have to think about. Protect your online activity today with the VPN I trust to keep my data safe. Visit expressvpn.com slash Clavin to claim an exclusive offer for my fans. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Clavin for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Clavin to get started. I don't know who wrote this copy. They tell you how to spell express. Everybody knows how to spell Express. How do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. And if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Andrew Clavin, which is spelled Andrew, K-L-A-V-A-N, at Andrew Clavin. I'm there. It's hilarious. We have a great time. I, you know, I took a Twitter poll this morning. I said, should we play, should we play the Trump happiness montage? And the answer were Oh my, yes. And play it twice, baby doll. <laughs> 50, I think it was 57% said play it twice. Here it is. And then we'll take a break. We're going to win so much. We're going to win at every level. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to win 
economically. We're going to win with the economy. We're going to win with military. We're going to win with health care and for our veterans. We're going to win with every single facet. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. We're going to win so much, you may even get tired of winning. Yay! You'll say, please, please, it's too much winning. We can't take it anymore. I feel pretty, oh, so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and gay. We have to keep winning. We have to win more. We're going to win more. I love playing that. Uh, we got to take a break from Facebook and YouTube. Come to dailywire.com. It's another kingdom day. The new episode of another kingdom. I can't remember. What are we up to? Five, six. Uh, the new episode of another kingdom is now available to everyone, but the new one will be available to subscribers on Friday. You want to be a subscriber. Come to dailywire.com and subscribe. It's only a lousy 10 bucks a month, a lousy hundred bucks for the year. You get another kingdom early. You get the mailbag. And of course you get this exquisite handcrafted, uh, gold and ivory leftist tears tumbler. None of what I just said about it is true, but it is great. And you want one to subscribe. Come on over to dailywire.com. You can have all the press in the world telling all the lies in the world, and we do. We have a corrupt, dishonest press. If, if there is one thing Donald Trump and I are like this on, where there's no space between us, it is on the perfidy of the American news media, which is now just the, dem- the PR arm of the Democrat Party. That's all it is. And when, But for all that, for all that, the truth has a voice. And I looked at this weekend and I thought, there is Trump kicking ass and taking names. And there are the Democrats in their squirrely little way, hiding in a locked room in the bottom of the Capitol, holding these secret hearings and then leaking things out to the press. And then the press is dutifully reporting what their Democrats tell them. And then they're running stories like, oh, the Republicans are shaking in their shoes. Oh, 55 percent of the people support impeachment. Oh, the Republicans are just about to desert Donald Trump. Oh, every Democrat candidate beats Trump by 20 percent. Crap. It's crap. They are just lying through their teeth. They've got nothing. And this impeachment thing is going nowhere. And I told you from the beginning it was garbage. And even if they impeach, they're just going to make themselves look like fools. And I just want to remind you something. This is from Instapundit, which is a great site. And they they uh, posted a story from the Washington Post uh, from January 20, 2017, right? January 20, 2017. Now, you all can think about that for a minute. It's Inauguration Day, right? And here is a story titled, The Campaign to Impeach President Trump Has Begun. The effort to impeach President Donald John Trump is already underway. At the moment, the new commander-in-chief was sworn in. A campaign to build public support for his impeachment went live at impeachdonaldtrumpnow.org, spearheaded by two liberal advocacy groups aiming to lay the groundwork for his eventual ejection from the White House. Now, that means something, right? It means that when they're talking, oh, he called Ukraine, and he said this, and did he quid pro quo and did he offer this? It means that the guys who are sitting around discussing that, like it's a serious issue, have been conned. I mean, the people who are sitting around on the panels, the never Trumpers who are saying, oh, this this is bad. This is bad. They are all being played. They're all being played. They're all being carried away on their emotions. They're being carried away on the news cycle, on a, a news cycle that is created 
by the Democrats, for the Democrats. They get swept away on it. You know, the thing, you know why, you know why the left hates us so much? The left is into deconstructing everything. They deconstruct manhood. They deconstruct freedom. They deconstruct free speech. They deconstruct sexuality. They deconstruct everything but themselves. And what the right has done, it has deconstructed them. And here, and here's what I mean by that, okay? I, I was reading a piece in The New Yorker, and it was say, talking about right-wingers and how they're missing out on the spirit of the age. But the thing is, we've deconstructed the spirit of the age. We know that the spirit of the age is a narrative that has been created by organizations run by the left. Hollywood, the news media, the academy, they constructed the spirit of the age, and we are deconstructing it and its deconstructions. We're one step ahead of them, not behind. Conservatives are actually a counterculture, the avant-garde of a movement to understand what's going on. And what's going on is we're being sold a narrative. And one of the narratives is that Trump should be impeached and we'll think of the crime later. You show me the man, I'll show you the crime, right? In fact, there was a, a terrific piece in the uh, Wall Street Journal by... Uh, uh, gee, I can't remember his first name. It's Rivkin. And he served in, at the Justice Department in the White House Counsel's Office during Reagan and George W. Bush administrations. And uh, her name is Foley. And she was a professor of constitutional law at Florida International University uh, College Law. And they just say this impeachment is A, unconstitutional, and B, nonsense. It's unconstitutional because they haven't given him the right to answer, uh, call witnesses. They haven't voted on it in the House, which they've done every other time there was impeachment. And what Nancy Pelosi is saying, well, that's not specifically uh, in the Constitution, but it, it's not true that this is not a grand jury. This is not a legal process. This is a political process. And political processes re require transparency. Political processes are for us. They're not for some idea of justice. They're not for some uh, vague, not, not vague, but some notion uh, of justice that can be served by secrecy. They are political processes that have to take place by convincing the people that they're necessary. And these guys are doing that by leaking out information to their friends, namely NBC and CBS and ABC and The Washington Post and the New York Times, who then dutifully report these things as if it's mounting evidence, right? It's growing. Oh, my goodness. It's a smoking gun. And then the panels get together and they discuss the smoking gun. And the other thing this article points out is that Trump hasn't done anything wrong, that the idea he has plenary power in foreign affairs. He can do pretty much anything he wants and he can do, negotiate with people over anything he wants. And if he says Ukraine is corrupt and we're holding up money until you guys uh, um, straighten out the corruption. And part of that corruption is Joe Biden, who, yes, happens to be running against me, but I'm going to I still want this investigated. He can do that. It's not a problem. And this idea that somehow quid pro quo, I mean, I, I'm thrilled that they're speaking Latin, but the idea that quid pro quo is somehow inherently wrong. All of our aid is given under quid pro quos. We always ask for stuff. We ask for more human rights. We ask for less uh, um less corruption. We ask for less arms sometimes. We always give our aid. It comes attached with, you know, with things we want. It should. Why should we just throw money at people? It's not their money. It's our money. Why should we throw money at them if they don't start to straighten out and serve human rights and, get, and serve anti-corruption campaigns? These are all the things that Trump wanted. Whereas meanwhile, which is the real story, as I've been telling you from the beginning of this thing, the real story is that the footsteps are coming up behind these guys who organized the spying into Donald Trump's campaign. And as I, I keep telling you, the logic here that the Democrats are trying to sell is that it was great. It was great that this army of unelected, faceless bureaucrats, these shadow men, spot tapped Donald Trump's phones. They wiretapped Trump Tower. They in infiltrated his campaign.
They investigated him. They sent spies after him. They did everything they could and then leaked to the press this bogus story about Russian collusion, all of which was disproved, right? This is what they did. And that was great. That was terrific. That was excellent. But the fact that on a phone call, Donald Trump said, oh, and while you're at it, you know, you should investigate Joe Biden. That's impeachable. That is a nonsense. So now John Durham and remember, John Durham is a guy who's universally respected. And this is the thing they're trying to they've been trying forever to tar Bill Barr, the attorney general. But he appointed this guy, and this is a guy who goes after the government, right? John Durham was part of the investigation into Whitey Bulger. Remember him? He was the mobster who ran uh, parts of Boston, and he tricked he conned the FBI into colluding with him so that he was protected. He was protected so he could go around murdering people and the FBI covered up for him because they thought he was a source, but he was a source who never gave him anything. It was John Durham who went in after him. Eric Holder appointed John Durham to investigate the CIA's interrogation programs and whether they broke any laws and whether they were tortured. So this is a guy who's respected by both parties. They, they got nothing. He has just turned this reportedly into a criminal investigation. His investigation into Obamagate has apparently become a criminal investigation. That is the story. That should be the headline every day. All this Ukraine stuff, this trivial stuff, what they're leaking, what Adam Schiff is leaking out of his secret little star chamber in the cellar of the Capitol is not big news. It is people, it's political manipulation that they are colluding with. The press is colluding with the political manipulation. It is big news that John Durham is investigating the previous administration in a criminal way. That means somebody could get indicted. That means somebody could go to jail. And it's hilarious. The principles in this, the scales, the perps that John Durham is investigating are suddenly deserting the sinking ship. James Clapper, the former national security advisor, this is what he said on CNN about Durham's investigation. I don't think there was any wrongdoing. I think at the time, all of us were trying to uh, navigate a very, very difficult, uh, politically fraught, highly charged situation. Uh, I know for my part, my main concern was with the Russians and the threat posed by the Russians uh, to our, our very political fabric. And uh, the message I'm getting from all this is apparently what we were supposed to have done was to ignore the Russian interference, ignore the Russian meddling and the threat that it poses to us. And oh, by the way, uh, blown off what the then commander in chief, President Obama, told us to do. Yeah. which was to assemble all the reporting that we could, that we had available to us, and put it in one report that the president could pass on to the Congress and to the next administration, and while we're at it, uh, declassify as much as we possibly could to make it public. And, that, yeah. and that's what we did. He rolled on Obama. <laughs> it's just like, you know, the scene in the police uh, TV show where they say, ah, oh, we got James Comey in the other room. They're interviewing Comey and they say, you know, we got James Clapper in the other room and he's rolling on you, Comey. And if you think if you think he's going to hold up for he just rolled on Obama. You know, he just said, hey, we were doing what the president told us to do. Don't arrest me. Don't arrest me. I was just doing what the president told us to do. It's, it's actually an amazing clip of the guy giving up the president of the United States. It's a criminal investigation. You think these guys are going to jail without talking, forget about it. Here's James Comey uh, talking about the same. And I want to point out that they, this interview, uh, he made a joke about moving to New Zealand if Trump was reelected and everybody put out, all the right wingers put up a headline. Comey says he'll move to New Zealand. I thought, I actually thought this guy who I believe really belongs in jail for some of the stuff he did. I, I think that was unfair to him. You know, he made a joke. We all make jokes. He, that, that was unfair. But this is what he said about the investigation. 
I can't tell what's going on with the Attorney General and that investigation. I was deeply concerned by some things he said early on about using the word spying and saying there are things that just don't make sense. And, and at the time I said, that's not the way pros operate. If there's a reason to look at something, you shut up and you try and gather the facts and then share the facts with us. And I still feel that way, that I don't know what they're looking at. And so I'm not really in a position to say you shouldn't investigate. Okay, you're going to investigate, investigate. John Durham is someone who has a strong professional reputation, someone I, I've for years thought was an excellent prosecutor. I can't tell what's going on with the Attorney General. I would hope that Mr. Durham will do everything possible to protect his reputation from being damaged by those in leadership. And the most important way he can do that is give us transparency. <laughs> I remember crying Chuck Schumer. It's like the entire party has become the crying Democrats. But I love the fact that he says, shut up. This is the guy who never stopped talking, never stopped coming out in his investigations and telling us what was going on when it wasn't his job to do that. He did it with Hillary Clinton. He made that big speech. He was supposed to go to Loretta Lynch, was supposed to go to the Justice Department. But no, he was going to tell us. And he's talking about transparency when the Democrats are hiding away in a locked room in the basement of the Capitol building, pretending to do an investigation, which I'm telling you is going nowhere. And even if it does go nowhere, it's going to take them right to hell. I got to play one more because these are the scales. These are the perps who John Durham is going to be looking at, right? The last one is Adam Schiff, and he is a McCarthyite as always. His thing is he is going to tar the investigators before they've even said anything. That's his mission because he's been tarring people uh, forever. This is the second uh, cut. Uh, I'm sorry, it's cut seven. Cut seven. Bill Barr, on the president's behalf, is weaponizing the Justice Department to go after the president's enemies. I've served for years, uh, I don't anymore, on a commission that would help emerging democracies. Uh, and we would always inform the parliamentarians of these democracies, when you win an election, you don't seek to just prosecute the losing side. But this is what Bill Barr is seeking to do. He is demonstrating, once again, that he is merely a tool of the president, the president's hand, uh, not the representative of the American but, people. But the prosecutor running the investigation, John Durham, is a very well-respected prosecutor. Why not just let the investigation run its course? Well, first of all, we have an inspector general uh, who is an independent body who is doing an investigation that's near conclusion. Uh, so there's been no public explanation for why this needs to be a criminal probe. But look, you can assign Would good people... Would you accept the results of such an investigation? Well, I was going to say, you can assign good people to do an illegitimate investigation. He is such a rat, this guy. such a weasel. Always, oh, he's, he's just trying to tar the reputations of these guys before they come after the Democrat Party for what they did. And what they did is so much worse than even what they're suggesting. Even if they had what they want to have on Trump, even what they're suggesting he did is not that bad. A giant among cartoon mice. They look. They make Trump look like a giant. They really do. This weekend, I, I would be shocked if his polls don't move. But I don't even trust the polls anymore. I think that this guy is having a very successful presidency while the Democrats make fools of themselves. I really do. It's quite amazing. All right, a final reflection. I, this is something that's been bothering me all weekend. So I got to talk about this. You know, when I when I was uh, a screenwriter, I'd sometimes think about, well, what, what's a good way to sell a script and what's going on and what's an interesting story. <clears throat> One thing I noticed is that 
A lot of horror movies are based on a horror of women and the changes their bodies go through. Like The Exorcist, uh, the Exorcist is a, about a, a young girl coming of age. It's really about a girl, uh, you know, becoming a woman, and it's kind of a horrifying thing that she becomes sexualized. Uh, the Omen is about a, having a baby. Rosemary's Baby is about pregnancy. Uh, women and their the bodies, the changes their bodies go for, provided a certain amount of horror. Uh, not just in the minds of men. I think in the minds of, of everybody, there's something about that that can be turned to uh, horror. That horror, I, I think we are going through a moment of sexual psychopathy. Uh, you know, this idea that it is somehow uh, all right to butcher a child, to give child uh, hormone blockers and uh, basically chemically castrate little boys and things like this. Uh, where is the science on this? Where is the, are the longitudinal studies saying that a child who says something at, at 9 or 10 or 15 is going to think the same things when he or she is 25? Where is the science? How could we possibly do this? And underline it is a terror of women, a horror of women. You know, this idea that men, there's a new, ad, there's an ad company uh, putting out ads for uh, men's uh, underwear that suggests that men can uh, have periods, that men can have periods, so that like women don't even exist. In Britain, they ban ads that show women raising children because they think that's so that somehow degrades them to say that women raise children, that women make homes for things. It used to be, you know, we had this idea that women were doing something higher than men was doing. It was higher even than, you know, the pay that men got. And yeah, there were men who took advantage of that and men who took advantage of the sacrificial nature of, of motherhood, the sacrificial nature of homemaking. Uh, there were men who mistreated women for that. But the idea that somehow it is degrading to be a woman has seeped into our society. And that, that is what all of this is about. It's not about freedom. It's not about, oh, taking care of transgender people. I have no animosity toward them whatsoever. It's not about any of that. It is about a horror of women and not allowing women to be women. If you're a man, you're allowed to go in and compete as long as you wear a dress, man. You can go in and compete with them in sports so they have no chance of winning. Uh, oh, yeah, women women don't, not just women have periods, not just women have babies. Men do these things, too. It is basically an erasure of women, an idea that the things that women naturally do and the things that they naturally turn to are somehow degrading. I just think it is absolutely psychopathological. It is a, a kind of sickness that we're going through, a kind of sexual sickness that is a, um, a side effect of the sexual liberation of people, which is not liberating at all. I wish I could talk about it more. I'm out of time, but I'll be back tomorrow, and I'll be talking more tomorrow. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review. And also tell your friends to subscribe, too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Austin Stevens and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay, and our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant Director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. 
The leader of ISIS has been killed. We will examine the gory details, what it means for U.S. foreign policy, what it means for the media coverage of U.S. foreign policy. Then Congressman Katie Hill resigns from Congress after details of her creepy and exploitative relationship with a staffer come out. We will look at the double standards of the sexual revolution. Finally, Kanye comes home to Jesus. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.